0: I've listened to The Nice Album by The Nice for more than a couple months. Connor, this is the part where you say, and I listened once yesterday. Oh, shoot. Oh, he's out this week. Um... Hey, it's me, The Mixtaper.
1: Forget all of that. I'm taking over this week. We're doing Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Welcome to Spin It. mixtoba.
0: Uh-oh. oh Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and I thought I was going to be all alone this week. (laughs) I guess that is not the case. That is not the case. That is a spin. You're here with me. Yeah, the mixtaper. It will be my co-host for today, I guess. Indeed. I'm the host. The
1: hostess with the mostess. The (laughs) mixtaper. Okay. Listen, when I realized that Connor was unavailable, uh, giving me the opportunity to kind of hijack this episode.
0: Well, I wouldn't call it a hijacking.
1: We're not doing the night. You, you can do that when Connor gets back. I ain't doing that. We're ending Mixtober on a spooky
0: note. That's a good point. This is the last week of Mixtober, so maybe this is in some ways poetic justice. I'm at the height of my power. Cause I mean, I was like, What's an album that
1: fits with the spooky mixtaper season, but I, I can identify with as a, as a little mixtaper? Uh-huh. Instantly, the thing that came to mind was everybody's favorite mask-wearing villain, the Phantom.
0: He is pretty iconic for his mask. Uh, maybe one of the most iconic masks in music. Yeah, and some could even say in horror. Well, that mm, is debatable. You can make some arguments, but it's probably got to be
1: on the list. You could make the argument. I don't know if it's the winner, but the argument could be made. I mean, but what more do you want from him? I mean, he wears a mask, he sings, he's looking looking... looking for love, at least half of his face is gorgeous he's good with ropes and practical effects. And it's the
0: full package. Why do you care if he's good with ropes and practical effects? Well, who doesn't like a good practical effect? I guess. Yeah, I guess. You got a point there?
1: Imagine the surprise parties he can throw for you.
0: Uh, I will keep my hand <laughs> at the level of my eyes, but yeah, I'd be <laughs> yeah. I'd be pretty surprised. All
1: right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're. I know what you're saying. I mean, sure, he's murdered some people, but can you really blame him? Yes. Those people suck. Oh, well, <laughs> all right. And it's all he's ever known. I mean, he never knew love right? Well, it's true. We'll get into the storyline, I'm sure. Uh, Much like me, the mixtaper, who never knew his parents because they always
0: had masks on. Yeah, this is a very personal album for you, I guess. This also comes at a really sad time because just recently they've announced that Phantom is gonna not be on Broadway anymore.
1: You're gonna steal my thunder?
0: Oh, is that thunder that you had? I I
1: have this in my notes somewhere.
0: Oh, I just, I heard about that and I wanted to try and relate to the story you were telling it's very sad
1: uh, to see it go but i think that i think that's fitting we have a we typically our episodes somehow tie into recent events around the artist or album somewhat spookily
0: mm, that's true well you know what also that opens up a spot on broadway for a new masked villain to come in maybe we'll put out the oh. mixtapers hippin and hoppin broadway musical <laughs> i can see it now mixtaper the musical I don't know what seed I've just planted, but I'm going to suffer the consequences. Anyway, tell me more about Phantom and Andrew Lloyd Webber.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Also known as Baron Lloyd Webber, Knight. Oh, he's a knight? Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Mm. So he's an English composer, and impresario. I didn't look up any of these words before, I, before I'm before i about to try to say them. Uh-huh. Impresario of musical theater. Several of his musicals have run for more than a decade, both in the West End and on Broadway. The West End is britain's version of broadway for those of you unaware
0: yeah you're doing pretty good at this this is your first time hosting a podcast oh
1: well of course you know i'm not gonna come on as host for my first ever episode and do a bad job i'll never be invited back i wasn't even invited this time that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) he has composed 21 musicals a song cycle a set of variations two film scores and a latin requiem mass
0: some of those things that you just said are very interesting A a set of variations yes yes
1: a set of variations so a variation is a formal technique where material is repeated in an altered form uh so you you like take the same song and then you just change the melody but leave everything else the same or you just change the rhythm or the harmonies and leave everything else the same and you do it over and over kind of and play it back to back with just those changes each time
0: okay yeah
1: so a set of variations would be like taking all those variations and playing
0: them all at one like together one after the other that makes sense that's kind of cool That sounds difficult, honestly. I mean, some of these sound like really daunting tasks.
1: Yeah. And and just to give you an idea of how big of a legend this guy is, the New York Times referred to him as the most commercially successful composer in history.
0: Mm, He's probably up there with a John Williams and some others. Yeah, they're like in two different worlds. Yes.
1: The Daily Telegraph also ranked him the fifth most powerful person in British culture in 2008. That's a wild one. I've never really thought of him as
0: wielding much
1: power, but okay. And then lyricist Don Black wrote that Andrew more or less single-handedly reinvented the musical
0: that I can believe I feel like if you asked a bunch of non-musical theater inclined people to name some musicals off the top of their head, more than one would be Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals.
1: Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber was born 22nd of March 1948 in Kensington, London. He's the elder son of William Lloyd Webber, who was a composer and organist, and Jean Harmony Johnston, a violinist and pianist. And his younger brother, Julian Lloyd Webber, is a world-renowned solo cellist. He comes from a whole family of musically talented people. Mm, Yeah. He's worked on some pretty well-known musicals, as you kind of said, such as Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Cats, just to name a few. Uh, But he's also done several musical adaptations, which Phantom is one of, that you may not realize. He wrote the musical version of The Wizard of Oz.
0: Not the 1930s one, you know, just a stage adaptation.
1: It started as a book, and then it was turned into a movie. And then from there, he, in 2011, actually, (laughs) a long time later, wrote the
0: musical adaptation. Right.
1: He also did Sunset Boulevard and then School of Rock
0: and Cinderella, which just came out. Yeah. School of Rock is another a surprising one. Yeah. Yeah, he's versatile.
1: Lloyd Webber was appointed Knight Bachelor in the 1992 Birthday Honors for Services to the Arts. So that's how he got his knighthood. Nice. Did he have a Knight Bachelor party? <laughs> yeah. Nice. In the 1997 New Year Honors, he was created a life peer as Baron Lloyd Webber of Sinmonton in the County of
0: Hampshire. What is a life peer?
1: Oh, I'm glad you asked because I went and bothered to pull up the Wikipedia page for it knowing you would ask. (laughs) Okay, smart. In the United Kingdom, life peers are appointed members of the peerage whose titles cannot be inherited. So it's another type of thing like knighthood.
0: Yeah, he's basically just nobility for life. Yeah, Yeah,
1: pretty much exactly. They almost always in modern times get the rank of baron.
0: This is good. See, you're so used to playing factor spin against me that you probably know all the questions I'm about to ask.
1: I sure hope so so his proper title in the british hierarchy is the lord lloyd weber where his title where his name is hyphenated even though it's not actually hyphenated in real life
0: interesting
1: he sat as a conservative member of the house of lords until his retirement from the house in 2017 so he was in
0: parliament then wow
1: yeah yeah he had a bit of a political career as a self-titled lord uh, i don't know, really know what the house of lords do but yeah listen i'm just a lowly little mixtape i don't i don't know about british politics (laughs) fair enough his awards and achievements are so long they had their own wikipedia page so i'll just give you some of the highlights he is an egot winner which for those of you who don't know what that means it means you have to win an emmy a grammy a oscar and a tony
0: yeah all the major academy awards exactly
1: so he has won a primetime emmy three grammys one oscar and six tonys impressive he's also achieved gotten the lifetime achievement award for theater and he's been inducted into both the american theater hall of fame the songwriters hall of fame and has a star on the hollywood walk of fame
0: is he our first egot that we've talked about he might be uh probably
1: i don't know who else would have won some of these i don't either it's kind of hard so to win them all
0: <laughs> it is it's very difficult that's why it's notable congrats you get the spin it egot award
1: <laughs> which is better than the normal egot (laughs) it's more rare i mean there's a handful of egots out there you know only only one (laughs) seagot only one (laughs) seagot oh man seagot i love that (laughs) anyway so that's enough about the man the myth the legend let's talk about phantom of the opera real fast yeah let's let's talk about it at a normal speed the phantom of the opera or as it was originally written in french le phantom de l'opera it sounds about like the same title, just
0: in French. Yeah.
1: <laughs> is a novel by French author Gaston Leroux. It was first published in a serial in Les, Gal- in Les Galos. Galois? Galois. Oh, you really
0: went for it on the French this week. I
1: really did. I don't know about British politics, and I don't know about the French language.
0: Right. Well, the, the gist is it was first published when... <laughs>
1: Oh, it was first published in 1909, the book. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was inspired by uh, actual historical events at the Paris Opera during the 19th century. That's a little troubling. Yeah. An (laughs) apocryphal tale concerning the use of a former ballet pupil skeleton in Carl Maria von Weber's 1841 production of another term I'm not going to try to say, but I will anyways. Der Friedschutz. So that's seems German. German now. We're getting into German. We're just jumping all around. Why uh, did you do this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's the historical events it was based off of. It has been successfully adapted into various stage of film adaptations. Like, there's tons of different v- adaptations and spin-offs and references to this book in culture. But most famously are the 1925 film depiction featuring Lon Chaney and Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1986 musical. Yes. The musical version had music by Andrew Lloyd Webber with lyrics by Charles Hart and Librito by Lloyd Webber and Richard Stilgo. Nice. Librito, for those who are curious, I looked this one up too, is the text of an opera or other long vocal work because again in an opera there's not really a lot of talking it's all kind of sung yep and so the the dialogue that is sang is called the librito the musical opened in london's west end in 1986 and on broadway in 1988 uh it was directed by harold prince and starring english classical soprano sarah brightman who was lloyd Webber's then wife as Christine, and Michael Crawford as The Phantom. It won the 1986 Oliver Award and the 1988 Tony Award for Best Musical, with Crawford winning the Oliver and Tony for Best Actor in a Musical. That's pretty cool. Yeah phantom is currently the longest running show in broadway history and Rip. celebrated its 10,000th broadway performance on february 11th 2012 could not find an updated number
0: oh my gosh so 10 000 performances was a decade ago
1: a decade ago that's i'm sure now that lot. it's been announced that they're closing we'll get a final total oh yeah with total estimated worldwide gross receipts of over 6 billion and a total broadway gross of over 1 billion phantom was the most financially successful entertainment event until the lion king surpassed it in 2014 wow again that's successful entertainment events so all entertainment events ever phantom was number one until the lion king beat it in 2014
0: that's pretty impressive yeah
1: and by 2019 it has been seen by over 140 million people in 183 cities across 41 countries
0: yeah i've never seen it on broadway i have seen a touring really? version of the show but yeah i didn't see it on broadway
1: very first time i went to broadway I had a choice of a couple different musicals, and one of them was School of Rock, but I went with Phantom. I'm
0: like, I gotta see Phantom, you know, the longest running. It's like the classic Broadway show to go see. Well, the iconography, I mean, The Mask itself has kind of become synonymous with musical theater and Broadway in particular. Yeah.
1: Anyway, the musical won several awards itself. In 1988,
0: it won 19 out of 24 nominations it received, including Tony for Best Music. That's a huge 19 out of 24 at one, like in one year. That's a lot. Yeah. The film
1: came out in 2000. And four, starring Gerald Butler as the titular Phantom, Emmy Rossum as Christine, and Patrick Wilson rounding out the love triangle as Raoul. The whole cast is just perfect, but I did want to shout out Minnie Driver. She's phenomenal in the film. Mm-hmm. And that's the soundtrack version that we're going to discuss today, the movie version for everybody curious, mainly because it's easiest to find on Spotify and it's the one most people are probably familiar with. The movie's more accessible than the theater production. Yeah, that's true. And it's just, you know, then we can kind of talk about some of the silly things in the movie. As uh, little anecdotes along the way. So that's the one I chose to do. I'm in charge. I'm the mixtaper. Yeah. <laughs> but before we go down the dungeons of Black Despair, we need to plunge into the prison of my mind. And by that, I just mean it's time for Factor Spin. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah.
1: I'm not used to being on this end of the game.
0: In theory. I mean, the canon of the show would state that this is the first time ever that I've been able to play factor spin against the mixtaper. The first time I've ever gotten to ask questions. Yeah, but it's my
1: game. I created it. You know,
0: I'm sure I'll be fine. I can get it perfect in the past. I mean, you've played against Connor and you've had some difficulties. I think this could be a turning point for, for me as a question asker, despite canonically it being my first time. That's to the do first it. time
1: you've ever gotten to ask questions
0: you're the this is the first time the mixtaper's been on the hot seat and i'm hoping yeah. for good results
1: you can hope what you want you're not gonna get them it's my game are you ready i know everything there is to know about andrew lloyd weber
0: do you now yep i know everything do you know that andrew lloyd weber was a one hit wonder yeah
1: i don't know actually i just i was gonna say yes to whatever you said hang on let's let's back up
0: <laughs> well that's that's your first fact andrew lloyd Webber was a one hit wonder despite all the awards and acclaim and power that you've said that he's earned. You know, the seagot winner. He has been a one-hit wonder.
1: Okay. What do you mean by one-hit wonder? Because I mean, he's written a ton of songs that are hits. So, I don't think is what do you mean by this? How is he a one-hit wonder?
0: He's a one-hit wonder because he released a song under a pseudonym at one point, and that song was a one-hit wonder. Oh. Are you talking about Tetris? I I am. <laughs> I am talking about Tetris. So you know about Tetris?
1: Uh, If you're talking about the theme song from the Game Boy version of Tetris, yes.
0: Yeah, I guess the audience may not know. So I'll fill them in a little bit since you seem to be in the loop.
1: Here's the thing I'm concerned about, though. Was it a hit? What makes him a one-hit wonder off of this? Was it a good-selling song? Like, I know it exists, but... Oh,
0: good question. So let's back up a a piece here. His pseudonym was Dr. Spin.
1: Yes, and that's that's why I know about it, you know, because I'm the mixtape of Factor Spin. Of course I know about all the Doctor. I'm a doctor myself. We all know one another.
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of one of the reasons I thought <laughs> you might maybe lean towards this being a spin. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to say one way or another, but you seem to have some ideas about this one already. But he worked with producer Nigel Wright. The song came out in 1992, and it is the Game Boy version of Tetris from 1989, but it's been remixed into a Eurodance style. And you're asking whether it was a hit. Well, it certainly was. It went to number six on the charts, spent eight weeks in the top 50. And in 1992, it was the UK's 75th best-selling song that year. It even made it onto Top of the Pops, like we've talked about on the podcast before. Dancers dressed up as different Tetris shapes and danced around to the song. And it is bizarre. I I watched it. It's really something. Interesting. Yeah, since you know that Tetris exists, I feel a little behind the eight ball. But the fact that you have to determine the veracity of is that Andrew Lloyd Webber was a one hit wonder. Yeah, I
1: don't know. I don't know if you're skilled enough at the game yet. This being your first time on this end to have gone multi levels deep before putting in fake information. So I don't know if you would have taken the song Tetris and the doctor spin pseudonym and shoved in a bunch of fake stuff about it being a hit. I think you would have just found this and thought it was cool. And it also just happened to be a hit. So mm-hmm. from one doctor of spin to another, I'm going to say this is a fact.
0: Okay. Well, congratulations. You've earned your first point. This one is a fact.
1: Yes. Told you this is Mixtober. My season, It the power, it flows through me.
0: Uh-huh. So how did you know about Tetris. If you didn't know that it was a hit.
1: I'm a big fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber. I actually just didn't know it was a hit. I just
0: knew this song existed. That's what worries me. Uh, you might run into some other things that you already know, but we'll see. Oh, okay. Your second fact for the episode. Also, I have more than a classic four, just because I wanted to commemorate oh. and savor this momentous occasion. You will have a couple extra facts. Uh, but your second one is that he got a cat's dog. A what? A cat's dog. A cat's dog. Like a dog that belonged to a cat? No, no. Not exactly, but you're hearing the words correctly, yes. Okay, then what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. Think about some of the things that Andrew Lloyd Webber is famous for. So this
1: is going in the direction of the musical Cats?
0: The musical Cats, yes, very famous. Great. Something happened with Cats recently, kind of brought it back into the pop culture.
1: Yeah, there was the movie version, and it sucked. Sorry to all the uh, sorry to all the T-Swift fans out there, but it sucked.
0: Oh, you, it's okay. So yeah, in 2019, Cats got its very own movie adaptation, and, uh... Yeah, it did suck (laughs) pretty across the board. People found it appalling. The movie stars, like you said, Taylor Swift, Jennifer Hudson, Judy Dench, Idris Elba, Jennifer Lopez, James Corden, huge cast, stacked cast. The cast
1: was fine again. It was their tr- it was the choices for the special effects that uh ruined that movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was a flop. Would you care to guess its IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes scores? Oh, I can't imagine. It's above like a 25%. Well, you're right. That's a big range that you just gave, but you're correct. It has a score of two point eight. 8 out of ten on IMDb, nineteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, thirty-two percent Metacritic score. Awful movie. So, how's the dog factor into this? Great question. The fallout from the awful Cats movie. I mean, it was so bad, so quote emotionally damaging that Andrew Lloyd Webber decided that he needed an emotional support dog.
1: Oh, so it's a cat's dog in the sense that it's a dog whose purpose is to make him feel better for how bad Cats was as a movie.
0: Yes. Yes, it's a, it's an emotional support dog for the flop that was cat. I see. Mm-hmm. What is the dog's name? Mojito. How does Mojito emotionally support him? Oh, he does. Um, Mojito, you know, cuddles with him, plays with him, and is just around a lot of the time. Uh, and he also, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber, busy guy, travels a lot. And sometimes he takes Mojito traveling with him. I
1: see, I see. Does Mojito like to travel? Is a travel a travel dog or is he a stay-at-home dog?
0: Oh, he, he He's fine with travel, I think. Um, but obviously traveling with a dog does kind of incur some extra complications sometimes. You know, it's not always the easiest thing in the world.
1: That feels like that's going somewhere. Um... What kind of complications?
0: Well, you know, airlines don't just let any dogs on planes, some of them, you know? They they want to make sure that you've really got an emotional support dog. So they emailed him after he bought his ticket. They said, listen, we just need to verify that this is an actual therapy dog. Can you prove that you need a therapy dog? Andrew Lloyd Webber replied to the email and he said, yes, just see what Hollywood did to my musical cats. And the airline replied and said, okay, no doctor's report required. <laughs> oh, man. And, and he got to take oh, the dog no. on the flight oh no yeah that's that's how it went down that's how bad cats was now i have a question yes
1: did this dog ever lose its seat on a plane to a hat
0: (laughs) um no i don't think it did So I didn't know this one.
1: Apparently, I'm not a complete encyclopedic knowledge of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, unless this is a spin.
0: Well, that, I guess, is always on the table. Yeah. Hmm. But it's reassuring that you didn't know it. I mean, there have been plenty of times I've been blindsided by what you do and don't know.
1: <laughs> I'll be honest. I was leaning spin pretty heavily up until they're talking about all this airplane nonsense. It feels like this. That's a, That was a lot of details with like specific quotes from the airline and from Weber, you would have had to make up.
0: That's true. And I, as you know, am quite incapable of that.
1: Yeah, you're right. You are incapable of that. You've convinced me. This is a fact.
0: Okay. Well, I wasn't going to tell you the airplane stuff, but the conversation just kind of led that way. I was going to save it for after the fact when I had successfully scored a point and I was going to tell it to you then. Um... This is indeed a fact. Hey! I had to pause for a second when you said that last bit, because I definitely found this was true by checking to see whether Andrew Lloyd Webber ever lost his seat on a plane to Wait. a hat. <laughs> No joke. I really did. So how many did you say we had? I have six for you. We're a third of the way there. Oh,
1: gosh, we're not even halfway. We gotta get at least one more right so I don't have to worry. <sighs>
0: I would love it if you didn't, but we're going to follow the thread of things that come from stuff that I absolutely looked up and tried to find. Uh, Okay. Andrew Lloyd Webber did not ever share a room with Jamie Foxx. I knew this is where that was going. (laughs) I always have to check because someday it's going to be true and it's going to blow our (laughs) minds, but that's not today. So he never shared a room with Jamie Foxx, but Mm. they did share something a little more prestigious.
1: Okay, what did they share?
0: They were nominated for the same Golden Globe Award. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, what Golden Globe Award?
0: Well, the year is 2005. Jamie Foxx is nominated for three Golden Globe Awards. One was for portraying Ray Charles in the movie Ray. Okay, okay. In the movie Ray, he was up for a Best Musical or Comedy Film Award against Phantom of the Opera in 2005. Oh! And yeah, which is ridiculous to me that the category is so wide that it includes musicals or comedies. Seems like there are a lot of both. Yeah. So that's the Golden Globe nom that they shared. I don't
1: know what else to ask. I mean, it's not really a lot going on. It's just the question is,
0: I guess, was that
1: movie up for an award? And what? <laughs> <laughs> if, and did it come out the same year phantom did that is a great question <laughs> i'm no i'm just thinking like if this is as a spin why is this the m- movie you would have put up against phantom of the opera
0: do you know a lot of Jamie Foxx movies? Spider-Man. Okay, well, that one wasn't going to work.
1: <laughs> I know a couple of Jamie Foxx movies. He's in Soul, which we talked about on a recent episode.
0: That's right. He is. In the AJR episode, we talked a lot about Soul. How would you also
1: go three facts in a row? Or you know what? I think you're trying to pull a fast one here. You go, you went with a very mundane, tame fact, not a lot of information. So that I'd be like, there's no way he would waste a spin on something so mundane. This is a spin. I don't know about all
0: that. That doesn't seem very like me at all Locking in spin okay well you're wrong this is a fact What? oh man the bait the bait, <laughs> the bait. this is a fact they shared a golden globe nomination also in the running was the disney pixar classic the incredibles what oh, range, what range? <laughs> <laughs> it, it troubles me how similarly we think sometimes but you you didn't ask i kind of expected you to um who won the award Oh, yeah, I guess that would have been a good question. It would have, but uh, you're new at this. So I'll give you a pass. The award was won by a movie called Sideways, about two middle-aged dudes on a road trip. The clear winner over Ray Charles' biopic The Phantom of the Opera or The Incredibles. Obviously, Sideways <laughs> needed to win. I can't believe it didn't go to The Incredibles. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so that's that's good. That's a rare... Win against the mixtaper. I'm excited for that.
1: I had to give you one.
0: You gave me one. Well, I'm going to pull that thread a little further of things that I absolutely researched because we've talked about them in the past. Okay. His love for music was inspired, in part, by his grandfather, a plumber. Oh, I used this one against Connor. Some would say. (laughs) Michael Buble is the last time a fact like this came up whose grandfather would trade plumbing work for Michael Buble's gigs when he was just a kid. That's the past time. This is different.
1: All right. So his father, a plumber. Grandfather. Sorry, yeah. Because his father was the pianist or whatever I said earlier. Yeah. So we went from plumber to a bunch of musical people.
0: Yes, we did. The leap might not be as far as it sounds. Quick.
1: What's the grandfather's name? Answer fast. William
0: Charles Henry Weber. All right. You had that pretty fast. I'll believe that. Where was your plumber? He was a self-employed plumber in Middlesex, England. Are you trying to blitz me with quick questions?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to blitz you. What was the grandfather's favorite dessert? I don't know. All right, if you had answered that I would have been suspicious, so all right. That, that one I couldn't find. That one tracks. All right, give me the real information here. How did he inspire his love of music?
0: Well, he as a plumber, I mean, that was just his day job. On the side, he was an organ buff. He loved that organ.
1: Interesting organ buff. Mm Mm-hmm. What was his favorite kind of organ? Go. The
0: heart. I'm just kidding. That's... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know much about organs, but I know that he liked a lot of them. Fair enough. So how did this directly impact Andrew? Well, when he wasn't plumbing, he would take his son, little William Lloyd Webber, Andrew's eventual father out and about to hear all kinds of different organs all around the country. They would go on these organ trips to go hear different instruments. And his income from plumbing is kind of what funded that hobby. I see. And that impacted Andrew how? Well Because William Weber loved that organ so much that he became borderline obsessional about playing the organ. He was a regular prodigy himself.
1: No, this is a spin as well. I think the inspirational side of it is maybe true, but I think you've shoehorned in the, this plumber business.
0: You think I've shoehorned in the plumber business to make it match Michael Buble? Yeah, this is a spin. Preposterous. You're locking in spin? Yep. Okay, this one is another fact! Andrew Lloyd Webber's grandfather was a plumber. And just like that, we're all tied up! Uh Uh-huh, I know it, I know it. William Webber loved the organ, he was a prodigy, he toured Britain by age 14, he even won an organ scholarship in school. And in adulthood, he was a really renowned organist and a composer, he was named director of the London College of Music, and So he passed down that knowledge and the love of the organ straight to his boy, our own Andrew Lloyd Webber, which is probably a big portion of why the organ is such a featured instrument in Phantom of the Opera. Think of where he would be without his grandpa's plumbing money. Think of me, think of me fondly when you unclog that toilet. If your grandpa's a plumber, just think like you might be well on your way to a successful music career. Maybe you don't even know it yet. On the classic four, that would put us at 50-50, which should surprise no one, I think. Good thing you told me that there was two more coming so you can't just take the draw. I still got opportunities to make you look like a fool. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Let's see if you can make me look like a fool with this next one. He killed Elvis. Oh
1: Well, spin.
0: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was he in there? Was he in the toilet stall with him? No.
1: How did he kill Elvis? He did
0: not physically kill Elvis, but... All right, so he didn't kill Elvis. <laughs> he wrote the last song that Elvis Presley would ever release in his lifetime. It's not
1: the same thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not that I have room to complain. That'd be very hypocritical.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I'm kind of doing the you thing here. What was the last song? So the actual last song that was released, is called Easy For You. It's the 10th and final track on Elvis's 24th studio album called Moody Blue.
1: How did, uh, uh, how did Weber end up writing this song for Elvis?
0: Well, actually, he and his co-writer Tim Rice wrote two songs for Elvis. The ah, other one was what? called Please Don't Let Lorraine Come Down, but that one never got recorded.
1: I was just curious how Andrew Lloyd Webber, the musical guy, and the one out here writing, like, church songs for, for dead people, how he got roped in with Elvis.
0: From Latin Requiem to Elvis rock song? I don't know. Honestly, hard to say.
1: Mm. And how does this tie into him killing Elvis, or is that just your catchy title?
0: Well, no, that is what he said in an interview with the BBC. He said, jokingly, that the song was what killed Elvis, being the last one that he released. Actually, shockingly close to his death. The album came out on July 19th, 1977, and he passed away suddenly on August 16th, less than a month later. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with fact again. You're going with fact again? I
1: think you're blitzing me with a bunch of facts here (laughs) the expectation would be on your first time playing you want to be able to help the temptation of just making up a bunch of wild spins so i think you're doing the opposite
0: okay you're just playing the game then this has nothing to do with the fact or what's in it you just think i've gone a lot of facts
1: uh, I have no reason to not believe this. I'm a little skeptical that Weber would have randomly written this song that you didn't have any of that information. But the interview part, again, unless you
0: just, I don't know how you would have stumbled across this
1: when researching Andrew Lloyd Webber if this interview didn't exist. So I'm going to go with fact.
0: Okay, you're going with fact, and you are yeah. correct. This is another fact. Ha-cha-cha. That's the one I needed. The worst I can do is 50 50. True. He also killed the Everly brothers with their last song called Cold. Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no. So you better watch out. All right, so the worst you could do is 50-50. That's not bad. Yeah, to takes some pressure off, but I'm pretty confident I'm going to make you look like a fool. I know I could still lose, but I do feel pretty good about the way this has gone. It's been better than a lot of the other past Factor Spin games. Uh, It's rough on this side. It's, uh, you know, I'm not used to it. It's it's a little harder than maybe I thought it was. Uh Uh-huh. Well, this last fact is about to go a little off the rails. He helped develop a TV series.
1: Which TV series?
0: It never really got a proper release. But it was a TV version of the Railway series of books. That ring any bells? Should it? It should actually. In 1974, Andrew Lloyd Webber got together with a guy named Reverend Wilbert Audrey. Reverend Audrey was the creator of Thomas the Tank Engine back in 1942.
1: Okay, so now I see. Pun intended. Off the rails.
0: Off the Uh rails. Okay, here we go. Are
1: you telling me Andrew Lloyd Webber was making a Thomas the Tank TV show?
0: That's correct. Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to make a Thomas the Tank engine animated tv series why <laughs> Great question. He, he loved trains he loved thomas and said let's let's do it let's turn it into a musical animated tv show so it was animated yes but you said never got released well they made a pilot the pilot was okay but the railway series people decided it was quote too unpopular with children so it got scrapped before they made any real progress mind you this is in the 1970s the railway series was revived again in the 80s Obviously took off, became huge, and Thomas the Tank Engine is still somewhat of a staple today. So that's a little annoying, isn't it? Imagine having your project scrapped because it was too unpopular and then just to watch it take off into an empire. Yeah. So
1: they just, they meet the pilot, says too bad, not popular enough. You suck. See you never. <laughs>
0: that's that's what they said to Andrew Lloyd Webber. He didn't exactly decide to stop there. Mm-hmm.
1: Where does he stop? <laughs> well, so
0: I can't tell if what I'm about to say is going to make you believe this more or less. So I'm just going to venture onward and we'll see where you land. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber already has built up this significant catalog of train-themed music that he's prepared for the series, right? And we can't just let that go to waste for some reason. So uh, he says, you know what? I'm going to make a train musical.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Is this going towards Starlight Express?
0: It is going towards Starlight Express, which hit the stage in 1984. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. So you're obviously a little familiar with Starlight Express, as I figured you would be. As soon as you said Tetris, I said, there's no way he doesn't know Starlight Express. For context, the original soundtrack of the musical featured more than 40 songs and to emulate trains the actors wore these big clunky metal outfits a lot of the choreography takes place on roller skates it's kind of a wild musical to watch some clips mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. i'm not familiar with starlight express it sounds wild it's wild
1: is this true? Let me absorb the tendrils of the mixtaper's power that's been wrapped and woven around these mixtobery episodes. Okay, what
0: are you, whatever. I.
1: The mixy spirits tell me this is a
0: fact. You think this is a fact?
1: No, this one's a spin. Oh. The way you said that was too eager. Okay. But then the way you said that was, was, there was a little bit of a chuckle behind the okay, so now it's a fact again.
0: I, I need you to lock one in. That's just it. I don't care which one you lock in. I do, but that doesn't matter now.
1: Yes, you do. Which one do you want? I'm not going
0: to say anything.
1: I'll lock in whichever one you tell me to lock in. <laughs> that's just game <laughs> theory. <laughs> which one do you want me to lock in? Lock in spin. Of course, you want me to lock that in because is a spin. I'm going fact. <laughs> Unless that's what you knew, I would think. You knew I would think that. And You're the, my you head. Said the real one. Oh, I'm hurting my own head. Mixtape hurt himself
0: in its own confusion. Pick one. It's a train (laughs) fact. Well, you really did go off the rails. Fact. I'm locking in fact. You're locking in fact. That's the final answer. All right. Final answer. You sure? No. (laughs) <laughs> I told you to lock in spin. Oh no. I already locked in back, though. You can change it. I'll give you one get out of jail free card. No, you want me to change it? No.
1: No. I'm standing my ground. This is the Mixtober. This is Mixtober the mixtape takeover. You can't tell me what to do. I'm in charge.
0: Okay, you're lost. This is a fact. Oh. <laughs>
1: I was terrified that whole time. My little mixtape or heart couldn't take it.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep, this one is true. After you brought (laughs) Winnie the Pooh the other week, I kind of was very happy to find Thomas the Tank Engine, which was a part of my childhood, too. But you know what that means? That means you won... I went four for six. I told you I could not be defeated. Well, I'm pretty happy to have gotten two. That is that is a new record for me personally.
1: Oh, is it? Is that the wait? Oh, is that the best you've done
0: against you? Yes. Fair enough. But with that, I'm not leaving this time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking around. <laughs> yeah, I can't exactly tell you to
1: leave this time. I think it's time to talk about
0: album art. You good- you. You already know the flow. Yeah, you know, I practiced. I
1: practiced in the mirror.
0: Yeah, the album art for this, I mean, it's kind of just a movie poster, but a square.
1: Yeah, it's got Christine and the Phantom on it in their weird pose from Music of the Night. Uh Uh-huh. The interesting thing about it that I really like is the Phantom, you only ever see half of his face because he has the half mask, right? Well, that's true. And in this, you don't really see any of his face because the half of his face that isn't covered by the mask is blacked out. Yeah. The English teacher in me...
0: (laughs) Yeah? Is there an English teacher in you?
1: Yeah. The English teacher in me would say that the duality of the mass represents the man and the monster, right? And so in here, we've covered up the man, leaving only the monster.
0: Ooh, not bad. Yeah, see?
1: Pretty decent English teacher inside of me. So, uh, unless you got anything else to say about the movie poster album art,
0: I think it's time to kick things off with our first track. Let's do it. The Overture. Uh, yeah. Well... Normally, I mean, an Overture, it is just an instrumental, but it's a pretty cool instrumental. Yeah. The interesting thing about this is that
1: it really only does Phantom of the Opera. You know, usually an Overture kind of cycles through all the major song beats of the musical. Yeah. And this one really only hits Phantom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it does. I hadn't really thought about that because I'm just always so caught up in getting excited to listen to the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. I know. And honestly, I'm thinking the
1: Broadway production as well really only brings you up with this uh phantom of the opera sound right into the action
0: actually that is a great point too for to speak to the whole film version it really doesn't deviate much from the stage version there are some key changes some of them will hit on on this very album but for the most part it's pretty true to form yeah some
1: key changes and um some more flash forward stuff than the Broadway version does
0: right with the little monkey yeah well but that all happens before the overture even in the movie yep
1: they're like auctioning off items from the opera house house, and they get into a bidding war over the little stupid little monkey. And then, yeah, the overture ch- kind of happens when that ends, and the chandelier that's sitting on the stage makes its way up
0: above the audience, above the crowd. It's a pretty cool theatrical effect.
1: Anyway, that's all I got
0: about the overture, really. Is that it's just Phantom? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough.
1: Again, a good chunk of the musical is singing and so our first official song is think of me
0: yeah well it's not even that stuff that's cut from this album isn't dialogue it's also sung but it's also a lot of filler it's not stuff that would be worth putting on an album Mm -hmm. but think of me yeah i like that i think of think of me fondly (laughs) it's just got such a floaty like a songbird kind of quality to it it's it's kind of an opera within an opera because this is one of the songs that she performs on the stage for the audience in the movie.
1: Yeah, again, in the movie version, it starts off with our little prima donna, Carlotta like quitting, going on strike, and so then the new owners of the opera house, they're like, oh crap, what are we going to do now? And then they're like, hey, you, you can sing, show us what you got, and Christine
0: does a really awesome rendition of... The song "Think of Me" it brings the house down, Mm-hmm. and this version too is so poetic. There's a lot of really sweet lines in here, mm-hmm. like "Think of me fondly." Uh, you know, we said our love was evergreen, and changing is the sea. But stop and think of me. I love the the last verse too about flowers fading and everything having its season, but promise that you'll remember it. Sometimes you'll think back on it in love and like with good thoughts. And
1: you get like the cool transition from like her get- showing them what she's got to her actually on the stage performing it,
0: and that's where we're introduced to Raúl. Raúl the Stupid ex boyfriend. Ex only for a second, honestly. Yeah. Uh, he kinda yeah. swoops in and makes his move pretty fast. Yeah,
1: he's like, Can it be can it be Christine? And he's like, Bravo. He sings a little verse that's to the same beat of her song that's from an opera, which is interesting. It is. Like if you think about that in like the context of like real life, like he watches her do this opera and then sings to the tune of her song for some random reason. Well,
0: I mean, <laughs> why not? It's cute. It, I think it's a very
1: sweet song. I think it sets up thematically what she's looking for. Like, Like the song itself has a lot of, as you said, kind of romantic, lovey, sweet lines. It's kind of implied that the two of them knew each other from their childhood. Right. And this is them reconnecting.
0: And so you may be thinking to this point, okay, this sounds like a pretty normal musical. It sounds like a pretty standard (laughs) plot. What's the big deal? And then this next track is where things start to really take a left turn into... Huh?
1: Yeah, our next track, Angel of Music.
0: Yeah, the backstory here is that Christine's dad has passed away, and she's been like living in the opera house getting singing lessons from a mysterious person that lives behind her mirror. She thinks it's the ghost of her father. Right, we know better. It's Gerard Butler.
1: And so does her best friend, who's like, Christine, you're crazy. <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: Yeah, that's not the ghost of your father. That's a man that lives in our walls. <laughs> she says, no way. That can't be true. I would surely know if something like that were going on.
1: But even Christine kind of, she's a little scared of this weird fatherly ghost.
0: Yeah, but it is a beautiful song. Oh my yeah. gosh. One of the best of, of this musical. Really? You don't think so? So like, you have to
1: have this song so that when the motif shows up, later in the other songs, it's more powerful. Absolutely. But I think it's more powerful in those later moments than it is ever in this original setting.
0: That may be, but this is probably one of the most repeated bits of music in the entire show. Oh, well, of course. Outside of the Phantom of the Opera's main organ hook, it's pretty much this.
1: So, So again, it's kind of the duality of the Phantom as a character, right? He's literally called the Phantom of the Opera. We've got this ghost. But yet the more human compassionate side of him is also this ghost and so you could almost view angel of music and phantom of the opera as the two dueling sides of his character yeah
0: is two halves of the same coin it's a little intense and and what gets me about this song too is that the lines are so literal you, angel of music sounds like a figurative song but she's like yeah here in this room he calls me He's hiding and he's just an unseen genius and Meg's like, no. And again, this is where
1: it gets really creepy, right? Because she says father once spoke of an angel. The phantom like somehow finds out about this and adopts this persona of pretending to be her father's ghost. But it's like, it's weird. It
0: is already a red flag.
1: He's put a lot of work into this shtick.
0: The other thing that happens during this part of the film is that, you know, little ex-boyfriend Raul comes back to give her some flowers, give her a little hug, you know, rekindle things, kick things off again, for lay the foundation for a new relationship.
1: Yeah, and that's what leads us into our next song. Which is
0: kind of an angel of music reprise right away, but they call it The Mirror. It's a spin off. And that's when the Phantom gets jealous, really jealous and mean. Yeah, he does.
1: <laughs> Insolent boy, the slave of fashion. Like, holy
0: crap. <laughs> yeah, he accuses Raoul of sharing in his triumph. Yeah, a little, little possessive. Like he's trying to take Christine away from him or take credit. A bit possessive. And then, too. Christine is like, oh, I'm so sorry I talked to him. My soul was weak. Forgive me. And he goes, (laughs) okay, guess what? I'm coming out of the mirror. Like, think
1: about how creepy that is. If he has an entrance to her dressing room through the mirror.
0: That he's also, she's never seen him before. Like, he's, yeah, it's weird.
1: Shit, again, to her, he's, uh, this is him, like, revealing himself to not be a real ghost. (laughs) But
0: she doesn't, well, she doesn't know that yet. She still is kind of in the, in the throes of that lie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like the minute the mirror actually opens for him to pull her into the dimly lit tunnel, I think she should be aware this isn't a ghost anymore. This is a man in a suit with a mask on that's physically touching me.
0: <laughs> this is, this is a, <laughs> a human yanking me into the basement. <laughs> but she sure does go. Yeah. And then we get to one of the most iconic moments of the entire movie.
1: Heck yeah. Track number five. The Phantom of the Opera.
0: Yeah, this is the point where he loads her onto a little boat and pushes her around through the sewers.
1: Well, first he leads her down the most insane incline in human history. I mean, they're going at such a steep angle down.
0: Like, and again, it all comes from her dressing room mirror. Like, what? He did a lot of carving. It's wild. There's a lot of candles and mist effects as he sings this song about, I mean, honestly, this song is just further exposition.
1: Imagine how long he had to go around his lighting candles before this moment to make sure everything was right.
0: (laughs) Oh, she's gonna love this. This is gonna be so cool. (laughs) And he has like a horse for it to ride? Like, what the heck? He's really just stepped it up. He's gone all out to shoot his shot.
1: Yeah, he sure does. We'll get to that in the next song.
0: Yeah, well, the thing about The Phantom of the Opera is it's a great song and it sounds cool and it's it's an awesome transition piece for this journey into the tunnels. But it's really just so expositionary. It doesn't really tell us anything that we don't already know. It just kind of tells the story that we've already kind of put together. Yeah,
1: there are a couple really cool lyrics in here I really like. Again, they sing with... What's happening? It's not like metaphorical at all. You know, the first verse is sung by Christine, and then the second verse is sung by the Phantom. And he says, Sing once again for me, our strange duet, my power over you grows stronger yet. And though you turn from me, which is sung as she like looks back up the slope, going, Hmm, maybe I shouldn't go into the sewer with a stranger. Like, it, it's got the yes, you're physically turning from me and having second guesses, but it's got that kind of metaphorical, my power over you, like you're being seduced by me and my weird ghostliness. Yeah. Um, There's the line, I am the master which I think has a lot of really cool power to it the, in verse 3. He sings, it's me they hear. Like he's like living vicariously through her by teaching her to sing and getting her the spotlight. That's something he could never have. And then they both sing on top of one another. Again, it's this kind of duet scene, but they sing slightly different lyrics. Yeah. And then she does the iconic singing of the ah, ah da, da da that goes higher and higher and higher as he's just like sing, which is my favorite part of the whole song because it's ridiculous that
0: is a little weird sing for me (laughs) just like (laughs) Like, i'm trying (laughs) What do you think this is? It's a little intense, but we move from this moment of like such high intensity into one of the most understated songs on the album, I think. And really,
1: you think it's understated? Yeah. I feel like it's one of his most iconic. Like it's, I feel like almost more iconic than the actual fan of the opera song in terms of its notoriety outside of the musical. Well,
0: I'm not saying it's underrated. It's understated. It's quiet. It's pulled back. Oh, it's, gotcha, you know, gotcha, gotcha. Gentle. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: It it really. Yeah. yeah. They really strip it all back.
0: But also, this is almost certainly the best song on the album.
1: Yeah, Oh, it absolutely is. They hit the final chord of Phantom of the Opera, when it just kind of fades down right into the melody of this song. There's no dialogue in between or nothing. It's just, bam, we're right into the next song.
0: And music of the night. I love the music of the night. It's, once again, back to that poetic lyricism. Nighttime sharpens, heightens each sensation. The whole thing. Certified poetry on the whole song.
1: Jerome Butler gets a lot of flack for his singing in this movie
0: people don't like it what are your thoughts don't they that's kind of weird i like it he had to take singing lessons when he got the part well that's natural you can't just bust the phantom out without practice
1: he was like before i got this role all i did was sing in the shower for myself i didn't really know how to sing for people (laughs) so he had to do some music lessons
0: well people can have their opinions because i
1: think he nails it the whispery way he sings the song here and it's fantastic
0: phantom tastic
1: it's very creepy he's like hovering all around her whispering right up in her ear. He's very much in her personal bubble the entire song.
0: Yeah. And she's also kind of just like out of it.
1: She is not as concerned with her surroundings as one should be.
0: (laughs) It's just so hooky. (laughs) That melody is just so good. Mm -hmm. And it happens. I mean, six verses worth. So you hear it plenty, but it never really feels even the slightest bit exhaustive.
1: Yeah. Well, they do the first two where it's kind of the same. That kind of over and over for two verses but then they hit you yeah. with the verse three where they're like they mix it up
0: yeah it does it does have a good breath in there
1: they end it with i really like the outro the you alone can make my song take flight help me make the music of the night because again this whole song is him trying to convince her that the music of the night is better than the harsh garish light of day right yeah there's a lot of um sexual tension metaphors going on throughout these uh songs so there's this sense that like helping make the music of the night is like because again he does show her the veil he's put on a mannequin head that's been dressed up to look like her and it's like him shooting his shot of like i want you to marry me
0: i cannot (laughs) emphasize enough how weird this is i
1: know you thought i was the ghost of your father but i'm not and i want you to marry me
0: that's a lot of information to take in over the course of a sewer boat ride yes and she finally
1: reacts appropriately and faints
0: yeah which is a great time for us to cut back into the opera house yes see how things are playing out up there now that the star of the last show has disappeared prima donna is the next song on the album and the premise is that the theater owners are talking to carlotta who's just quit and walked out on them trying to beg her to come back and you know take the stage again because she's the prima donna she's the the it girl the star of the show which is funny because prima donna is typically an insult
1: i feel like right
0: it is now (laughs) for sure like
1: nowadays like in our culture and at the time that this would have been written it's more of a insult
0: yeah which you know what maybe that's kind of the the tongue-in-cheekness of it like she is totally a prima donna in the bad sense yes she absolutely is this song
1: is the one that's maybe grown on me the most over my years of listening to the soundtrack i used to hate this song
0: yeah i agree it doesn't serve much story purpose it actually i think it actually does other than getting her back
1: well no it does that and then this is when raul's figuring some stuff out right he's like christine spoke of an angel like he's starting to figure some weird stuff out
0: yeah they do they do piece some things together he's starting to ask questions (laughs) i like it because it's one of the only waltzes on this album yep we get a cool three four time signature and we get some really cool very operatic effects as the three of them kind of take on different melodies different parts Mm -hmm. very cinematic too
1: like i know it's very classic opera sounding singing right yeah but boy do i just hate it have
0: you ever been to an opera
1: no no the mixtape has never been to an opera and i'm not a fan of opera music
0: i've been to a few operas and honestly i think they're really fun i i think they would be
1: fun if i could get past kind of the throaty singing
0: Mm, it's like watching a musical with with subtitles it's a lot of fun (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really good when they get into this kind of waltzy operatic sound. And the way that they sing the Prima, the, the way it kind of crescendos and falls on the same word is really nice. It is. They, they're very good at swelling to these
0: big hits. And that brings us into kind of the end of Act One. Yeah, and up next is another one of the album's kind of tentpole tracks.
1: I think your three big ones are obviously the title track, Music of the Night and All I Ask of You.
0: Angel of Music is also in the mix. I know you said it wasn't, but I disagree. The only one it could beat out is the title track, and I don't see that happening. Oh no, there's no I way think it's it beats out All I two. Ask of You.
1: No, I disagree.
0: Oh, anyway, All I Ask of You. That's up next. Yeah, I
1: love All I Ask of
0: You. It's it's a cute little love song. The ba- you're the ballad guy. I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah, and this is where that battle between darkness and light metaphor that was set up in Music of the Night really um comes back again. This is now Raul who represents the light. Kind of pleading his case. Let me be your freedom. Yada yada yada. He literally sings, "Let me be your shelter. Let me be your light."
0: Yeah, the metaphor is not concealed.
1: No, it's not subtle at all. Pretty out in the open. I really like the back and forth they kind of do. He sings from the point of view of what he can offer her, right? Yeah, all I ask of you is to love me unconditionally.
0: That's the whole final punch. Which, admittedly, that's a big ask. But you know, they seem to be into it.
1: I don't think it's that big. If you're gonna marry someone, you would you would expect
0: status is a little unclear at this point. I mean, I agree. I mean, they are like ex-BFFs and they reconnected after the show. She got kidnapped and it's been like three days. It's all moving very fast.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm, the timeline is unclear. But again, not still not quite as fast as what with the Phantom. I mean, he's still going slower than that.
0: No. You're right. Her perception of what is standard and appropriate pacing may be slightly <laughs> skewed.
1: But yeah, so he sings all about what he can offer, and she sings that all she wants is freedom, a world with no more knights, and then he comes in where the music really swells with her, then say, you'll
0: share it with me, blah, 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 blah. Beautiful. It's just, just so touching. I know. <laughs> Great little song. Yeah, but guess who's hiding in the bushes? Great, no,
1: no, no, it's not the bushes, at least not in the movie version. In the flippin' movie version, this is on the roof of the opera house, and guess who's clinging to the outside of one of the pillars?
0: Yeah, he's, like,
1: scaled the wall. And boy, is he out of breath, which makes me think he scaled the whole opera house. As they're going back downstairs, down the steps, they kinda, they're, kind of they like, singing out to one another.
0: Yeah, they're professing their love, and their promise to stay together.
1: And he starts being like... <sighs> 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 And he starts melancholy singing, I gave you my music, made your song take wing, and now how you've repaid me, denied me, and betrayed me, he was bound to love you when he heard you sing. Yeah, Yo, what a moment. Not a happy phantom. I think that's my favorite line right there. If it wasn't for the phantom getting her into the spotlight, would he have even realized she was part of the act and ha- would they re- reconnected? reconnected? Mm,
0: sometimes you meet your destiny on the roads you take to avoid it. Yeah, That's a quote from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> always applicable. So again, while the Phantom very creepy,
1: you can kind of see from his point of view how he's been let down by every person he's ever interacted with.
0: Oh yeah, that's another part of the story we should talk about. The whole reason the Phantom is mad is that because he was ugly, he was kind of like a circus exhibit.
1: Yeah, he was locked in a cage and he was beaten when he didn't perform. This one woman kind of showed him an act of kindness of helping free him, but then she just shoved him down in the opera house and said, don't come out. Uh, And so (laughs) that's not really much better. And so, you know, this is He's put all this work into tricking this woman and he finally reveals himself to her and then she also seems to turn away from him and be like, no, I hate you. And he just assumes it's because of his face. When really it's more, no, you're just creepy and been lying to her since she was a child. Yeah.
0: Who can blame him for his lack of social skills?
1: Exactly. That's what I'm kind of saying. Like he's kind of a tragic villain. He's obviously a bad guy, but it's hard to really blame him when he doesn't know better. Right. He screams out, you will curse the day you did not do all that the Phantom asked of you. And I think that's when he really goes off the deep end. He fully accepts the persona of the Phantom. And I think that's what makes him go a little murder crazy in Act (laughs) 2. Yeah,
0: he gets on a murder streak. But first... We have the big opening crowd number, the chorus performance piece, which is masquerade. Yes. I mean, so fitting in a musical about a guy who wears a mask. But also
1: kind of a poor choice for people at the opera house. You know, they're dealing
0: (laughs) with a masked phantom. (laughs) They They haven't really seen him yet. I guess they don't know. Yeah, that's true. Which makes it all the more dramatic when he crashes their party in his fancy little mask. Yes.
1: They're celebrating all the good fortune that the opera house is having. Dear Andre, what a splendid party. The prologue to a bright new year. Anyway. But they really jinx themselves with the line, uh, what a pity that the Phantom can't be here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're really tempting fate. Because again, the idea is that there's been a
1: decent amount of time that has passed, right? So she chooses raul They are doing their secret little dating thing. They it's revealed that they're engaged now, but it's a secret. But
0: nobody's heard from the Phantom in a while.
1: He seems to be gone.
0: Boy is he not. Uh <laughs> voices fade and turn to gasps as the lights dim and the phantom appears at the top of the stairway i took that screen direction exactly from the lyrics yes because again they're singing they're all singing masquerade million
1: faces on parade ba, ba, blah 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 um. funny that they recycled the lyrics from
0: all i ask of you in that one <laughs> yeah we didn't
1: realize they did that <laughs> they, they do it a lot but anyway it's obvious we know who he is but we still never they still never show us his face
0: they just show us like his body yes and he says did you miss me guess what I wrote an opera, and you're going to perform it, and Christine is going to be the star. Yeah,
1: and he, he gives a lot of really mean directions here as well. Carlotta must be taught to act, not her normal trick of strutting around the stage. Rude. Our Don Juan must lose some weight, basically saying, he needs to, he's too fat, she can't act. And then he says, and my managers must learn that their place is in the office, not the arts. <laughs> it's like, dang.
0: Sick burn from the Phantom.
1: And then he steals her engagement ring and runs off into a trap door in the middle of the lobby for some reason.
0: Yeah. Guess nobody thought to check that before we had a party here. <laughs> like, why
1: there's a trap door in the lobby of all places? Unsure.
0: Well, it's a it's a theater. I don't know what kind of stage tricks they wanted to throw in there. Yeah. But yeah, that that really sets up the
1: driving plot of Act 2. You know, nobody's ever really seen him, so now he's revealed himself to
0: everybody, and they know he's just a man. The jig is up. And they're like, how can we trap him? It's funny that they didn't really know that he was just a man before. In the same way that Christine kind of (laughs) didn't.
1: And then I think we transition to our next weird song. I mean, it's a good song. It's a very beautiful
0: song actually, but
1: the plot going along with it, very
0: weird. It is a little strange. She heads to the graveyard, Christine does, to mourn her father at his actual grave not just her little shrine to him
1: i think it's probably like the anniversary of his death or something yeah
0: and she's wishing he was somehow here again as the song title would imply
1: yeah and again she promised to send him an angel in music so she's still hopeful that that promise will be fulfilled not only does she wish he was somehow here again but by the end of the song she's kind of coming to terms with the fact that she can't keep living in the past
0: yeah it's actually a great full circle moment for her it really is well like you've talked about you've come to appreciate prima donna more wishing you were somehow here again is the song that i used to not appreciate enough and it's kind of grown mm. on me a little more over time
1: yes uh i really like this song, am going i share connor's ballad sensibilities oh yeah you're right i quite like this song but yeah it's really heartbreaking because she's like you were once my one companion you were all that mattered like it was just her and her father against the world too many years fighting back tears why can't the past just die? The way she hits that line, um, it really swells the music up into that final run of wishing you were somehow here again. Powerful moment. Too bad it's all ruined by another one of the Phantom's dastardly tricks. <laughs> yeah, he's been there the whole time because he's everywhere because what happens is she gets the stable boy to bring the horses around or whatever and the phantom at least knocks out if not murders the stable boy totally unnecessary and so he's the one that takes her to the graveyard and boy did he must have known she was gonna go out there maybe she goes out there every year for the anniversary because he set up a bunch more candles he was ready and he's like speaking to her and
0: Raoul shows up and he's like that's not your father Christine it's not him but it's also very obviously still the phantom's voice which she's now like <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like very familiar with. I know. And she just can't figure out that it's not the ghost of her father. It's not an angel of music.
1: She just really wants it to be.
0: But at least this time she does question whether it maybe is the Phantom. And so, yeah. But yeah, Raul comes out and they sword fight a little bit. Yep, yep. And then I assume we do a little bit of a time skip. Before we get to the next part,
1: yes, because we jump to the
0: opening night performance of his musical and The Point of No
1: Return. The Point of No Return slash Chandelier Crash. We are not past it yet. No, we're not past it, and we won't be past it for another song or two. Even though the whole song is I'm singing about how they're past The Point of No Return. It's true. This is another big one for me. I think from this point through the end of the musical is just some of the best work of a musical ever. It is pretty great. We get to opening night. They got guards there. They got like the police there watching his box that's always left empty for him but little do they know they murder poor don juan yeah nobody questions the fact that in the phantom's musical there's a man who wears a mask like the phantom yeah Uh. (laughs) so
0: yeah the phantom takes the place of the main lead character unbeknownst to everybody yes but i want to know your thoughts on this does
1: christine realize it's him when they're singing
0: sometime in the middle of it but again they're past the point of no return and it's probably too late for her to do anything about it and also I don't think she knows exactly what he's got in mind. What he does have in mind is just absurd. Is
1: kidnapped.
0: <laughs> they fall through the stage through like a ring of fire. I'm 100% positive she did not see that coming. No,
1: probably not.
0: Maybe she was just like wow, we're gonna have to talk this out when we get backstage. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they plummet. And I mean, that's the point of no return right there. I love this song because like, he sings kind of a little foreboding the trap is set,
1: which is fun because again, they have a trap set for him. So it's a little tongue in cheek. He's like, I know they're trying to get me but they're not gonna because I'm smarter than them. But also, he's got a trap set for her. So it's like multi layers deep there. And this is the song that I mentioned has a lot of Sex metaphors? Yeah, it does. In my mind, I've already imagined our bodies entwining, defenseless and silent.
0: That's not even a metaphor.
1: No, you're right. Oh, there's a whole thing. Again, it's got a really great instrumental beat to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, at some point during this song, Christine realizes it's him,
0: and he also does indeed say Christine.
1: Yes, he does. He breaks character. She
0: has to realize way earlier. If you rehearse with somebody I for think months so. and months, and then all of a sudden somebody totally different comes out and like, <clears throat> but he lost some weight, a so a she can't tell. Different, but sound, <laughs> but sounds very different. I feel like I'd know. I think I would too.
1: But this is musical logic, so it's biz, baby. Yeah. But this is where we get the big chandelier. Crash that was foreshadowed in the very beginning with it crashed in the middle of the stage. Yeah. He cuts the rope, it comes crashing down, they escape through the floor. It's a whole big thing. It's
0: a very climatic moment.
1: It really is. And we get one last row's like, where did he go? where did he take her? At this point, he's figured out that the madam must know something because he runs off to her and he's like, Please help me, where did he take her? And she's like, I'll show you. But remember, keep your hand at the level of your eyes. And That's boys, important. nobody listened to that advice. This whole musical. Literally the chandelier cr- crashed that bleeds right into down once more slash track down this murderer.
0: That's right, we have a big medley as the grand finale of the musical and the next to last song on this album. Oh, and I love it. There's a lot that happens here. First of all, we get a reprise of a lot of the things the Phantom does in the music of the night, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful. This time, we're going down once more to the dungeons of black despair. It's a lot more kind of on a negative focus.
1: And then we get a little more backstory here. Why you ask was I bound and chained in this cold and dismal place? Not for any mortal
0: sin, but the wickedness of my abhorrent face. Yeah, and then he gets Beauty and the Beast. Easted, a, a giant mob forms of people at the opera house and they come to track him down with pitchforks and torches. Down
1: this murderer, he must be found. And then he's like, Listen, I know I just murdered some people. I crashed a chandelier, set things on fire. It was a whole mess. But he's like trying to take the pity side of it. He's like, No kind words from anyone, no compassion anywhere. Why?
0: <laughs> and it's like, Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> yes, it's <you've> been atrocious.
1: <laughs> yeah. Then Christine hits us with the Have you gorge yourself at last And your lust for blood And am I now to be prey for your lust for flesh He transitions into the um, music of the night Kind of With the this face which earned a mother's fear of loathing A mask my first An eternity of this before your eyes Because again she took his mask off But he's been covering it with his hand this whole time
0: Yeah he takes off the mask and shows her what's beneath
1: And he's got a real two face situation going on Well
0: that's why the mask works
1: Yeah but like even if his hair like they in the movie version at least they're like <laughs> that's true the left which, side of his face the hair is still all nice and clean and his face is all fine and then on the other side the hair is going wild
0: which is definitely not accurate because unless he's been wearing a half toupee the whole time his hair has looked fine
1: yeah it was like that wasn't necessary
0: but then christine tells it she gives it to him straight what she says is you know what you're pretty ugly but you're even uglier inside like your yeah. soul is way worse than your face
1: but then just as the phantom is you know kind of absorbing this taking this in everybody's favorite hero Raoul shows up and boy does the phantom getting happy about it not send out any warning bells
0: for anybody no yep let me prepare some tea I had rather hoped that you would come more red flags <laughs> and Raul says let her go like a like a oh, hero and it's great
1: this is where we get Raoul's little part with the free her do what you like only free her have you no pity <laughs> And then the trick that nobody somehow saw mm-hmm. coming. Raul says, can I let me see her? And he's like, be my guest, sir. As he puts the noose around him and ties him up to the fence. Yeah, it's a little too late. And he's like, nothing, nothing can save you now except perhaps Christine. He tries to bargain. And he gives them an ultimatum. He says, you buy his freedom with your love. If you agree to stay with me forever, I will let him go. And then he says, this is the choice. This is the point of no return. And it's the point of no return in several ways, right? He's saying it's the point of no return because she now has to choose one way or the other. But it's also the point of no return kind of for him. Any kind of pity she held for him is gone. And that's pretty much what she tells him. At this point, this ultimatum is really what seals the deal for, for her. I don't know how people are talented enough to do this. All three of them on different melodies... That perfectly kind of intertwine with one another start singing all together. Yeah, it's tough. Very dramatic. It's just, it's crazy what's happening, the way it's weaved together. And then finally, it all comes to the big moment where Phantom's like, make your choice. And then she shows him you are not alone. And then she kisses him. Spoilers! No spoilers. Listen, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, that's your own fault.
0: Right. And then she runs away. No, she doesn't. He lets her go. Okay, but she leaves and runs away. And then,
1: again, this is all just, we have not had a single true line of dialogue since. Ever. Since past the point of no return, which was like 30 minutes ago. And so then, as they take off in the boat, he starts singing a little reprise of Masquerade. We get one last big emotional music of the night couplet of you alone can make my song take flight it's over now the music of the night
0: as the phantom poetically shatters his own mirror which yep. he's prepared ahead of time with an escape tunnel as he probably would
1: yeah and then the crowd of people the mob intern find the music box playing and his mask sitting on like a table
0: and credits That's it? Yeah.
1: But then we get the
0: credit scene,
1: Learn to be Lonely, sung by Minnie Driver.
0: Yeah, it's a fine song. I honestly had never paid it any mind at all um, until I listened to it before this episode, and, um... And it's all right. It's kind of a weird 2004 song to yeah. close this musical off. Um, it, It's the only thing that makes this film version feel a little dated. Hmm.
1: I like the song. It's another one that's grown on me over the years.
0: Well, I've had one time through it. So it kind of sums up the, the theme
1: of, you know, you got to learn to be lonely. No one's going to be there to comfort you or care for you. You've been dealt a bad hand. Learn to be your one companion. Life can be lived. Life can be loved alone.
0: Yeah. Pretty powerful message.
1: And it brings us right into the sequel. No.
0: <laughs> I I was going to ask if you were familiar with the sequel. The sequel ruins some aspects of this movie for me, and I try not to think about it. I agree. I try not to think about it either. I've never seen or listened to the sequel, but I know some plot points. And let's just say some of the things that the Phantom says he doesn't really ever get to do, he does, in fact, get to do. We just <laughs> don't know when or how.
1: Yeah. What do you know about the, about the sequel? yeah so
0: the phantom shows up as a carny in coney island with a son (laughs) see it doesn't make any sense the the we ignore love never dies we we pretend it doesn't exist it throws a wrench in everything yeah anyway it's a whole thing i think it's time for final spin yeah so it is i like the musical um but as far as my normal scores go the music is really interesting i love how many times they're able to call back to older melodies and reprise things this is very thoroughly woven together so That's a big thing. I think a lot of the melodies are really excellent. I love the way that they can kind of tell a story through the music. You know, you can kind of follow the intensity of the moment based on what the music is doing, whether you have the lyrics or not. That's interesting. I'm giving music a 90.
1: Nice, nice.
0: Yeah, lyrically, I mean, it's pretty great. It does get a little weird at times. Tells an interesting story.
1: I mean, you don't have to have seen the movie to really pick up on what's happening throughout the story. I think you get most of the
0: context you need from the songs. It's true. I like the lyrics. I think they're honestly decently solid. A lot of these are very poetic. Music of the night is just like chef's kiss. Given lyrics a 91. Nice. Instruments and production are tough on this one. I like a lot of the instrumentation. A lot of it's very pretty and and well done. But then there's some parts that just are kind of interesting. Like the very synth-driven Phantom of the Opera. The organ in there, but like the very heavy synth bass. And like you said, the opera singing. I don't know. I'm used to it. But if you're not used to it, it can be a little bit (laughs) non-standard. So, I'm giving Instruments of Production at 82. Overall vibe, I mean, a little bit of a weird plot, but a great musical. It's such a great musical that you forget that the plot is so weird. (laughs) So, I mean, credit where credit is due. I think Andrew Lloyd Webber really hit the nail on the head. That gives it a 90 for the overall vibe. I don't know what you're so excited about. I'm hopeful. It's going to be close. That gives this album a 90.5 overall. And... And my pick for the playlist is the music of the night. And? Your turn. No. (laughs) That puts it right around number 76. Yes! Or it would. I did it! I did it! Yeah, it's a soundtrack album, which I haven't really scored very many of, if any, no, actually. But I broke the top 100 of feet even Connor couldn't do. Yeah, you can rub that in. Um, But you kind of you kind of got off easy with an album that I already knew and a musical that I already really liked. Doesn't matter. I still did it. Felt a little like cheating. Took advantage of what was available to me. Sure. Well, Connor's going to be pretty jealous when he hears about that, I think. Yeah. You could tell him all about it when he's back from wherever he is. What's he doing? He never actually... Told me why he couldn't make it to the recording today. Uh he went to the International Connor Convention that was held that was held this week. Connor went to Connor Con, and that's why he couldn't record the podcast. They call it
1: Con Con. During the opening ceremony, that's the big song they do. They do con, con can you art and can you do the Con Con? Can you do the Con Con? Oh my gosh. Con 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 Con, con. That's <laughs> awful. Well,
0: anyway, I'm sorry I asked. Now the question is: is that a true set of fact or a spin? You're playing fact. Actor spin no this isn't your episode for that
1: and you can tell us in the comments or on social media at spin it pod on twitter and at spin it pod official on instagram you're right you're getting ahead of yourself here i know i am but i thought i'd throw them out why it was a good transition and i was talking about them talking to us fair enough and and i want to see if
0: you remember your own twitter handle this week uh at the mixtaper nope dang it <laughs> I mean... Is it at the underscore mixtaper? That's right, yes.
1: Ah, I could have decided if there was an underscore or not.
0: (laughs) He tried. So now I need to know your scores for this. We'll probably just lump them in with Connor's, if that's okay. Yeah, that makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, for some reason I think that would work.
0: And as much
1: as I want to give it a perfect 10, I think Connor would never forgive me. Oh my gosh. If you broke his perfect 10s, yeah. So,
0: I will instead just give this... Nine Seagots out of ten. Nine. Perfect. Well, nine seagots. Spin it awards, Emmys, Grammys, Oscars, and Tony's. Yes. That is no surprise to anyone.
1: And it's gonna go
0: right below Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. But Bo- I'm below? You uh below? I just wanna make sure I hear you correctly. Uh yeah. You think you'll make Connor mad? <laughs> Yeah, they
1: can't go above my girl Dua Lipa. I mean, Connor's girl Dua Lipa. Our girl Dua Lipa. She's our, it's dual Lipa. Oh, she's for both of you. (laughs) Anyway.
0: It hovers in that area. Okay. Yeah. And what's your playlist pick? You went with Music of the Night. I did. Which was the easy pick. Well, uh, yeah, but it couldn't be missed. And
1: I want to kind of go with All I Ask of You, but we already have the kind of Music of the Night is a ballad. It's true. I could go with the title track, Fan of the Opera. That'd be another really easy one. I'm torn between Fan of the Opera and "Past the Point of No Return.
0: Good grief. That's an eight-minute song. <laughs> I know. That's why I want to pick it.
1: (laughs) We'll just go with Phantom of the Opera. I think that makes the most sense from a playlist standpoint. If we go Phantom of the Opera Music of the Night.
0: I think you're right. Good picks. So that brings
1: us to the conclusion of the first ever Mixtaper hosted episode of Spin It. Mixtober has
0: concluded.
1: Mixtober is a state of mind. It's Mixtober is mixed over.
0: Oh,
1: it's a state of mind. It's never over if you never leave.
0: Oh, it's like the Billy Joel, like New York state of mind, but Mixtober state of mind. <laughs> yeah,
1: that'll be my um feature on Connor's Hippin' and Hoppin album. You know, I'll be one of the guest features. We'll, we'll do a duet. We'll do A duet.
0: A duet. <laughs> That would be something I would actually commission. I would love to hear that.
1: Yeah, it'll do duet. Anyway, if you enjoyed this and you want the Mixtober to triumphantly return in a future episode, please let us know. It's going to take some
0: convincing. I got lucky with this one. If con, con happens at the same time next year, maybe you'll luck out again. <laughs> Just to reiterate, you can find us on all the social media platforms at SpinItPod on Twitter, at SpinItPodOfficial on Instagram, and www.SpinItPod on the web. Be sure to follow us, too. Follow, subscribe, like, rate five stars or four stars or zero stars. Whatever you think you want to rate. Better be five. Five would be nice.
1: Unless it's out of 10, then it better be 10.
0: Well, that's true. You want to close this out? Yeah, as always. Keep spinning! Oh, 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 sorry. Of course I have it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Keep spinning! That's the stuff, yeah. I'm pretty proud of that factor spin round, I'll be honest. I figured I had a good strategy going against the mixtape really. Like, you're notorious for spinning. You're notorious for making up lies. I thought, what a better way to go up against you than to only bring facts, only tell the truth, and not lie at all. Oh, I didn't realize that that was a good strategy. It was an okay strategy. Honestly, I'd call it about a 66% ineffective strategy, but.
1: So a 33% effective.
0: Yeah, but let's look on the negative side here. I thought you'd like that better. I do. <laughs> <laughs>